0: 6:30, Chad. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six
1: on 6:30, Chad. Everly starts with a rush down the right wing, a shot off the pass of box from the rebound. Lucic, Fed Nugent, Hopkins backdoor and a hat trick for Jordan Everly, the second of his NHL career, and Edmonton's pouring it on here at Rogers.
2: Edmonton's home for breaking
0: news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630
3: Chad. Well, the Oilers are going to have to refocus the harpoon a little bit as they get set to take on the San Jose Sharks in Game 2 tomorrow night. The Sharks rallying for that 3-2 overtime victory last night. The Oilers back at practice. The second game will be on 6.30, Chet, of course. 6 o'clock face-off show, 8.30 for the drop of the puck tomorrow night. We have plenty of Oilers storylines to get to in a few minutes, but want to start with a current big storyline in the NHL. It
1: right off the boards and brought out its center ice now by Bozak. Marner back to Bozak in front of the net. Van Riemsdank! And a big save. Another save. Shot in front. Scores! The Leafs have opened the scoring, and it's Mitch Marner! Now it's Kadri from a sharp angle, and that went off a of body and went one Line. Kadri in for Van Riems, like a shot off the side of the goal, stopped by Hopi. Leafs are buzzing again. Here's a chance for Gardner. Shooting! Scores! No, it's waved off! It's waved off! Moved
0: to his left, the puck went to his right. But yeah, Kadri is in the blue paint, here's the call. On
1: further video review, the call on the ice is reversed. There's no goal to interfere. 2-0, Troll!
3: From the Leafs radio network, those calls. Toronto, the first two goals in Washington. Justin Williams coming back on a power play for the Capitals. It's 2-1. Maple Leafs leading Washington after the first period. Predators and Blackhawks just getting underway. Late start, 8:30 for the Flames and the Ducks. Just the three games tonight. All right. You can text 630-630. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 630. Chad, going to be a fun show tonight. Former Oilers defensemen, a couple former Oilers defensemen are going to join us, Steve Steos and Sean Bell, both on the show this evening as uh, the Oilers with a few things to focus on after last night's game. But Jared wants to talk about them before even hearing what I was going to present. Hey, Jared, how's it going?
2: <laughs> Good, Reed. I just uh, wanted to make a couple of comments about uh, last night's game and also the comments before last night's game, like before the series had started. And I think that, for me, this series comes down to is how injured is San Jose? And in this last 20 games when they slumped, were they slumping because they were uh, legitimately tired and sluggish? Or was it just because they were p- playing poorly and kind of in cruise control? But if they were just playing poorly and not tired, I don't think this matchup is good for the Oilers. And I think that their defense, the Oilers' defense, as soon as San Jose last night starts putting the pressure on them, they have no defensemen. They can stick, handle, or skate out of trouble, and they just seem to get hemmed into their zone, whereas San Jose, I think Brett Burns is the key for San Jose in this series he's such a dynamic player and he can offer things and maybe only Connor McDavid can offer for the Oilers in terms of his ability to dominate a game but if San Jose pressures the Edmonton defense and the Oilers can't get any pressure on San Jose's defense is going I think it's going to be a very very tough series for the Oilers
3: well Jared you hit on a lot of good stuff there did you hear Jamie Baker on the show a few nights ago no, I didn't. Well, first of all, I got a lot of negative feedback about the interview. Uh, but but he said that he said, look, the sharks were tired in April. They had a tough schedule, uh, and that's and that's why they didn't win as much. I, I mean, Couture and Thornton were, they were already losing games when those guys got hurt. So yeah. you know, I think they had a tough. They were having a tough finish even before those guys got injured. It, it's funny how the season ended because uh, six weeks ago, you know. Rob Brown and I were, were both kind of thinking San Jose was a tough matchup for the Oilers and maybe one you would want to avoid. And then with the Oilers playing well and San Jose dropping off, you started thinking maybe it wasn't so bad. San Jose is still an excellent team. They can pressure the puck. That gave the Oilers trouble. No doubt about that. I, I, just, I just think the Oilers are equipped to handle it they just got to execute a little better than they do last night and there's something that they they feel they need to change which I'm going to talk about here in, in a few minutes but but I mean the Oilers have tangible things they can change last night it's just not a matter of well we got to we got to try harder or you know anything like that like they have some tangible things they want to work on but you have a good point I mean this is this is a tough matchup just because things turned a little bit in the Oilers' favor in the end of the season it was it was no way I think that people were writing off the sharks
2: but, you know, with Brett Burns there, I remember when Chicago was playing Philadelphia in mm-hmm. the Stanley Cup playoffs several years ago. And all of a sudden, their game plan became we're throwing it in Chris Pronger's corner and we're going to hammer him and work him over. And he, he was minus five or minus six that one game, Chris Pronger. Okay. And any, def- any defenseman, it doesn't matter who it is, whether it's Bobby or Paul Cochran or whatever, if you start to throw it in their corner, and you start to the hound, they're going to eventually going to cough it up. Because no defenseman likes to go back for the puck and get pounded into the boards over and over. So if they have to try to get to him. Because if they don't, and he's able to freewheel, I think it's going to be, they're, they're going to be in for a long haul. I think that, I still think they have like a, a very good chance. And obviously you, you can't go down two games to nothing. But San Jose is still a really, really good team. And some of the media were saying how, you know, this series is almost going to be a walk-type thing. And, and I don't see it. But, uh, I mean, they were in the Stanley Cup Finals last year. And the question is, are they too old and are they too tired? But if they still have something left in the tank... And aren't running on fumes. It's going to be it's going to be a long series. I think like six, seven
3: games. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, and I think it's great for the Oilers to be involved in that. I I hope they yeah. win it. But I mean, yeah. Let's like I I've been saying this all year, Jared. When the Oilers have faced a challenge, I thought great. This this is where where what you want to be finally in in those battles and in those tense games as opposed to where they've been for a long time. I mean, look, I, I I picked the Oilers to win. No way did I think it was going to be a walk. I just thought the Oilers put a lot of good things together over the last month and a half of the year, and I and I still think they have they they're going to find that in them. Yeah, let's hope so. Jared, good to talk to you. Have a good night. Reed. That's Jared at 780-496-0063. I got to say, it it was a really special atmosphere at Rogers Place last night. (laughs)
1: Off against Joe Pavelski, and we are underway in an Oilers postseason game for the first time since June 19, 2006. Emmerly off, rich shot, score. Oscar, left bomb, one nothing. Edmonton. McDavid, one timer, lettesto 9 rebound. Lucic fires and scores, two nothing. Edmonton, and this crowd is absolutely pandemonium. Rebound kicked off the Dashers. Ten seconds left on the power play. Donskoy, backhand wraparound. One-timer score. And the Sharks are right back in the game. It's Joel Ward. Now Hurdle ducks inside. Wrist shot saved. Talbot rebound score. And San Jose's tied it up. Paul Martin, the veteran D-man. And Kleffbaum will melt it against the endboards, and we are heading to overtime. Here's Carlson in. Rich, hot score! And San Jose has come all the way back from a 2-0 deficit after the first period to win game one in overtime, 3-2.
3: Jack Michaels with the call here on 630 Chet and the Oilers Radio Network. I got to say, I I, I mean, uh, I wasn't surprised to see the enthusiasm and enthusiasm doesn't even do it justice. But the enthusiasm of the fans, I think one thing I'm always going to remember is the let's go Oilers chant about five minutes before the pregame warm up. (laughs) That was pretty cool. Another Jared texting in. He says, It's amazing how this city reacts to their hockey team. Riding the train this morning, the feeling was as if everyone's dog had died. Nonetheless, I think we will see a different Oilers team tomorrow. A more disciplined team at that. Don't write the Oilers off yet. That is from Jared. Not the same one who called in. We have Mo at 780-496-0063. Hi, Mo.
4: Hey, what's up, Reed? Just wanted to say, I was at the game yesterday, and the atmosphere was unbelievable. Like, Like, uh... I, th- I think that so the Oilers getting the first like the first uh, like home ice advantage the first round, I think it uh, kind of played played into the loss because the, the fans were so crazy and that the adrenaline was so high for them that they came out. They got the two goals, they got the early lead. But after like when they went to the dressing room and you know that San Jose has like such a better group that you know they're going to bounce back. And then as soon as that adrenaline wore off, you can just see the sluggish play. And I think they was just nerves and were doable. I think, uh, like, like the whole team played bad except for Talbot last night. Uh, you can't expect that to happen the whole series. So that's what I think. I think I think tomorrow, everyone, like, even, even if two lines are going, I think we'll win the game. Because the whole team was playing bad, and they only beat us by one goal in overtime. So that's what I think.
3: Well, you know, it's funny. Rob and I talked about a bit the last night, and I know it was a, a late edition of overtime open line, so some people were probably getting ready for bed or going to bed because they had to work today. But, uh you know, I asked Rob that. I said, could it turn out to be a bad thing that you get that 2 nothing lead? And he said, well, maybe in hindsight it did because, you know, maybe you start to think you're going to cruise and San Jose wakes up and doesn't want to get embarrassed. I, I will, I, and I think you make a good point. There, there were some guys you didn't notice as much last night. It was a bit of a quieter game for Dreisaitl. And I think because of that, you didn't notice Maroon as much. I'm curious if they're going to play Harnay again tomorrow. Uh, because he only played six minutes, but I mean that's the playoffs, right? That's the back and forth of, of how it goes, and I think that's why it's going to be a long series.
4: Yeah, of course. But, like you said, that, like yeah, they play terrible. Yeah, maybe they'll maybe throw Hendricks in the
3: spot, or all right. Thanks, Mo. I think we lost you, but uh, you got your point across. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You are going to hear from McDavid, Letestu, and Cassian when we get back. Inside Sports on Chet. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton
1: Oilers and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. You asked me to be your savior. We weren't going to go 16-0. Uh, we didn't expect to sweep these guys either. Uh, you know, the idea to come was to come in today, flush it, and uh, be ready for another game. But, yeah, I mean, there's, there's no panic in this room. Uh, we know we're a lot better than we showed. We had a good first period, but after
5: that, it was... You know, pretty poor game on our part. Uh, so we feel like we got a lot better uh, in game two, or hopefully we'll show it. Like I've told a number of people in here, it's not like we're going to go 16-0. <laughs> we would have liked to, but uh, it doesn't happen too often, obviously. It's a good team over there. Um, good thing for us is we feel we uh, can fix a lot of the things that we did wrong last game, and that's, uh, that's a good sign for us. <laughs> we are extending shifts a little. They were... They were changing fresh bodies. We got stuck out there a little, a little longer than, than we'd like to. And uh, they hem us into their own end. Um, so it's a, it's, it's a little thing, tweaking, uh, shorten up the shifts a little bit, get fresh legs uh, so we can come at them in waves.
3: Some comments today after practice from Mark Letestu and Zach Cassian. Full practice for the Oilers. The line combos were the same as they were last night. We'll see if that holds up for the morning skate and the game tomorrow. Adam Larson did not practice, but he is expected to play tomorrow. The good old maintenance day for him. Your Oilers playoff report, courtesy of Nisku Ford. Niskew Ford, above expectations. My name is Reed Wilkins. Five minutes into the second period. Toronto's still up 2-1 on Washington. I'm going to Get to Brian on the phone line in a second. Here, I just want to read a couple of text messages. Uh, Mark says uh, the Oilers had the opportunity of a lifetime to take advantage of Thornton not being in the lineup, but they squandered it. He'll most likely be back for when they go back to San Jose, and if uh, the Oilers are two games down in the series, it's pretty much done. You know, fair comment. And, and you know, Rob made a point last night too that the Oilers kind of wasted a goaltending performance by Talbot, who gave them a chance to, to steal that game. Give it the way it went over the uh, the last half look i'm not, I, 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 I totally understand the concern uh you certainly you don't want to go down 2 nothing that's it's obviously an important game tomorrow but every game in the playoffs the next one is important and i, I just don't think that this version of the Oilers is going to is going to roll over and shrug their shoulders and say they're not good enough This texter says, do you feel as though the Oilers players feel the pressure to perform well because of how long the playoff drought has been? Even though the players won't admit to it, I feel that may creep into their game. That's a good question. Obviously, only a couple players have been here for several years through what's been called the decade of darkness, you know, Nugent Hopkins and Eberle. You know, other players have been here for a few seasons. If you want to look at uh, Clefbaum being around, you know, Hendricks came, what, I guess, uh, about three and a half years ago. A lot of the players have changed. They're certainly aware of the drought, and I don't want to mean that they're shrugging it off, but they're also not responsible for it, and, and some of them have come from successful backgrounds. So I I, I just don't know if if the pressure thing is... I mean, certainly they felt pressure within the game from the pressure the San Jose Sharks were were putting on them, from a from a hockey perspective, from from an emotional and mental perspective. I, again, I just don't get the sense that the Oilers are are feeling overwhelmed by anything. And, and I mean, you heard Latesto and Cassian say, "Okay, well, we're not going to go sixteen and zero. We know about some things we have to work on, and we'll talk about those here as we move along." Wes says, uh, "Reed, can you please remind Oilers fans that flipping the bird to the other team after scoring a goal shows that Oilers fans have no class when doing that? Uh, There were some pictures of that ilk (laughs) making their way on uh, social media, I guess, since last night. Fans are going to be emotional. A bird flip while, yes, perhaps somewhat rude and I'm not condoning it, but re- relatively harmless. Uh, I, I mean, in, in in the heat of the moment. I, I, I understand that, you know, when that makes its way across the country or North America, but, you know, mm-hmm. couple fans. We have Brian on the line. Hello, Brian. I hope you're Good not going to flip me the bird, buddy. No, never,
0: never. <laughs> Who could ever do it to such a prince of a man?
3: <laughs> Thanks, buddy. What's up?
0: Just a couple things. First of all, uh, I really, I'm really hoping that uh, <clears throat> a lot of these naysayers stay away from the game. Because, I mean, whether it was the Canadians of the 70s, the Oilers of the 80s, the Islanders of the 80s, any of the great teams, the, even the, like the Penguins, everyone loses a game. It's only one game. It's out of seven. I mean, nobody's going to go 16 straight games and not lose a game. It's just not going to happen. It doesn't happen in this day and age. And I think over the long haul, the youth of the Oilers actually will come to the forefront because if if this is this is going to end up being one heck of a physical series, I really think I think it may end up being more of a physical series than what the Anaheim Calgary one. Is going to be. And, like last night, all I saw was some love taps, except in the first period. Mm-hmm. The Oilers of the first period showed up in the second and the third. They wouldn't have lost.
3: Well, and the Oilers are better. The Oilers, in my mind, are better equipped to play a physical game than the Sharks. The question, The question for the Oilers is, are they deep enough up front and can they produce enough puck pressure shift after shift?
0: Well, I, I think they definitely can. I mean, the one thing that that we saw that they did learn, especially over the second half of the season, was shoot the puck. Now, obviously, yep, they were outshot. They only got 19 shots. I'm sure there was a little bit of trepidation, a little bit of nervousness. I mean, how can you not be nervous after a decade of darkness, as you called it? And, and and knowing everybody's got such high expectations. I mean, we probably have higher expectations here than the Leafs fans do in Toronto.
3: Well, the Leafs fans' expectations might have gone up in the last hour, but <laughs> but I know what you're saying. <laughs> Brian, no, thanks for calling, buddy. I got, I got a break for the news, but I appreciate you chiming in, man. Take care. That's Brian, 780-496-0063. All right, I, well, we do have time to talk, but we're going to bring in Oilers defenseman Steve Stales in the next half hour. This is Jordan Everly from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Victor Arvidsson has scored the first goal of the Nashville-Chicago series. Predators up 1-0, seven minutes left in the first period. Still 2-1 Toronto, leading Washington halfway through the game. Later on tonight, the Flames and the Ducks. Oilers and Sharks, game two tomorrow. It's on 6.30. Chad will have the face-off show at 6.00. The puck will drop at 8.30. Always enjoy interacting with... All the Oilers fans out there, uh, tons of texts coming into 6.30, 6.30. I'm not going to have time to read all of them tonight. I'll uh, I'll be reading them off and on throughout the show. Uh, Basically, on the text line, there is not a consensus. Either the Oilers are fine or they are doomed or the refs were out to get them last night. Those are three themes that are coming in. <laughs> uh, well it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. Great talking about this team. Great finally talking about a playoff Edmonton Oilers team. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on Chet, and I'm pleased to welcome to the show a man who played one thousand and one NHL games, including five hundred and seventy three with the Oilers. It's Steve Steos. Steve, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir? Reed, thanks for having me
6: on. I, lo- I love the poll questions in the playoffs because uh, the emotions are running high.
3: Yeah, that's the thing. And, you know, the Oilers, as I'm sure you were paying attention, finished the season on such a positive note. And, you know, let's face it, San Jose controlled the last, you know, 35 minutes of, minutes of that game. So the question marks pop up. But that that's what postseason hockey is all about, right? It's all about how you respond.
6: Yeah, certainly lots of swings in momentum. I mean, when we look back at our... We're going back a long way now, but when we look back at our run in uh, 06, there were some serious swings of momentum and uh, just a matter of the team trusting what they're doing, staying with it. I know that Oilers team is totally prepared. The coaching staff has uh, done a great job, so it'll be great to see how they respond in game two.
3: Well, it's interesting too, Steve, being around them at at practice today. and I I haven't played the the clips yet, but they will play them later on that the Oilers were really emphasizing that their their shifts were too long that light that last night. And, 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 I, and I know as players you do talk about confidence and, and momentum and all those types of things, but I'm always encouraged when I hear a tangible thing that, that a team wants to work on because it shows me, you know, the coaching staff is involved and the players are being conscientious about what they're being told.
6: Yeah. And typically you get a younger team uh, at, or a team with less playoff experience especially with your the, your go-to guys um, you, you'll, you'll kind of you'll get off to uh, uh, you, almost like you over prepare or you overdo it in, the, in game one you, you know and then you get into a little bit more of a rhythm so uh, that could have been the case last night I mean uh, I didn't watch the game intently you know as much as I would have in years past but certainly it seems like they just weren't themselves last night I'm sure there's gonna be a great response in game two.
3: You mentioned, obviously, 2006, and we do want to talk about what you're up to now because you're working with the, uh, the Hamilton Bulldogs in the OHL, but you know the 2006 team is, is going to be fondly remembered, and especially given that it before this year was the last team to, to get into the playoffs. What do you remember about the, the stretch drive that season and getting into the postseason against Detroit? Was there the sense that you'd, you'd figured something out, or when did it start to feel like you were a dangerous team?
6: And I mean, it was, you know, the second last game of, the, of this regular season is when we qualified. So um, I think the sense really happened once we did qualify. You know, Craig McTavish and the coaching staff gave us a booklet, and here, here it was, you know. And, and we're, we started to prepare, and we were able to focus in on on just one team. And uh, instead of kind of the scramble mode that we were in, uh, trying to find our way into the playoffs. So, and, and then the belief kind of just grew and grew as we, as we won some games. We knocked off a team in Detroit with uh, uh, quite a few Hall of Famers on it, and it was a time. There was a moment in time where we looked at ourselves after that first year and, and you know, realized that we were a, we were a really good team. We could do some, something special here, and, it, and the confidence just continued to grow as we moved along.
3: Steve, not to take anything away from your performance and the performance of other guys on the blue line, but how elevated was Chris Pronger that spring?
6: Uh, on, a, on a different planet sort of level. Uh, you know, he was. Uh, you know, Prongs came to our team, and you know, he wasn't himself. Um, you know, through the first half of the year, the Olympics didn't go quite his way. He came back and uh, was highly motivated. So, uh, no doubt about it. I mean, you need to have uh, players like that who, uh, who, you know, all of us played at a different level, but. Certainly, our ceilings are a little bit different than what Chris Pronger's uh, could be and and was at that point. He really, you know, he controlled the pace of play, uh, his leadership skills, along with we. I mean, we had a group of us that were, um, you know, had some leadership qualities, but certainly Chris Pronger was on a different level at that point.
3: Steve Stales joining us tonight on six thirty, Chet we interviewed Sean Horkoff the other night and, uh, this incident came up. W- what do you remember, if anything, uh, about him blocking a shot with his face against Detroit
6: at the end of the game? Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember it well. It was, uh, it was, uh, I don't really know uh, the right saying for it, but it was, it was really a, a picture of what that, that group, um, would, would sacrifice for each other. And, uh, you know, uh, to win in the playoffs takes more than just talent. I think that's pretty evident. It takes, uh, uh, you know, belief in one, of the tra- one another. It takes uh, leadership, and it takes a lot of intangibles to be able to kind of go on a run like that and, in fact, win a championship. So, um, you know, Hork, that, you know, I mean, and there was probably about a dozen uh, times in, in each series where guys would sacrifice themselves like that, uh, but that's certainly painted a picture of what was what was uh, going to happen as we move forward
3: steve i've been able to talk to a, a couple of players from that 06 team this this spring and i'm going to ask you a, a question that i've asked them as well and i mentioned you know over half your career with the oilers you, you had ups and downs here as any player will with with the team but you know it, it's it's going to be awesome for you to always be part of that team it was an incredible time in the city no one could have known what was going to come next with, with all the disappointment. You know, as somebody who played on that team, how do you balance, like, well, I'm glad to, to celebrate it and be asked questions like you're getting asked tonight, as opposed to, like, okay, I want a new generation of Oilers to, to, to stake their claim with some playoff success. How do you start to balance those two things?
6: Yeah, I'm more interested in the new Oilers. Uh, you know, I mean, we, we had our run, and uh, you always see you always like to see the, the new... like I mean, the game's changed so much since we went on our run, and the talent level, and just the speed is uh, is different, even uh, from, uh, you know, 06. So, you know, I, I it's it's bittersweet. I mean, I think I'm sure, I'm sure my teammates have told you when, when you talk to them that uh, when you look back at 06, um, you know, there's... Obviously, the outcome was the only thing that you would change, but the fact that that group of guys... Uh, we qualified, the team that we had qualified when we did um, at the end of the season and, and put it together the way that we did was something very, very special. I'm really glad the fans in Edmonton appreciate, even though we didn't win, and you know they've had championships there before. Even though we didn't win, we're remembered fondly. Um, certainly we came as close as we possibly could, but I'm looking forward to uh, to new Oilers teams in and, and this generation here, was uh, led by a, a talent like Connor McDavid to do some special things.
3: When you see McDavid play, and, and again, I'm going to ask you about your Hamilton Bulldogs team. So I know you can't watch every single NHL game, but certainly you've seen McDavid. And you are a defenseman, so I don't know if you picture yourself having to defend a guy that would have had that speed and talent. But uh, you know, just and you mentioned how the speed of the game has amped up, even in the in the four years or so since you retired. You know, just your thoughts on McDavid and maybe what does his skill set say about where hockey is headed maybe in the next 5, 10, 15 years?
6: Yeah, well, interestingly enough, Reed, I was on the ice with Connor McDavid this summer. Um, I was asked by Matt Nickel, who runs the BioSteel camp, to go out and, and uh, coach some of the sessions out there. And uh, we were short on defensemen, and I just sort of kind of mocked playing a defenseman on a on a rush where connor mcdavid was was coming down on me and i was shocked even though you see it on you see it on tv but you're you're almost shocked how how fast the young man is so um i got to see it up front and personal i'm not in quite the shape that i was back then but uh defending him is would be a nightmare for a defender with the type of speed that that uh, he brings on and uh You know, And and the game's moving that way, and Connor's on a different level, but there's certainly a lot of players that play with that type of pace, and uh, it's leading to how the game is evolving and and, uh, how entertaining it is right now.
3: Steve Stales joining us on 630 Chet, former Oilers defenseman, now the president and general manager of the Hamilton Bulldogs in the Ontario Hockey League. And thanks for making time for us, and I I know you wish you were uh, still going. I was just looking back on your your season and your first-round series and uh, you wound up matched up a team against a team. I think you were just one point apart with them in the regular season, and then you go all the way to to Game Seven. It looked like it was a pretty pretty tense series, and unfortunately, didn't quite go your way, eh?
6: Yeah, well, you know, I mean, this is year two for me with, with the Bulldogs. My, my first three years with uh, uh, with the Toronto Maple Leafs and player development, and actually, you know, uh, the last half of the season when uh, Toronto made a coaching change, I went down and coached. Uh, you know, so made the move to come back to junior hockey in my hometown of Hamilton and uh, uh, really enjoying it. And we are building a team here in year one, we were a non-playoff team in year two, we qualified for the playoffs and uh, um, they're building towards something special here. And, uh, you know, our first round playoff matchup was a seven game series, a loss in overtime, if you can believe it. So, um, but it's, it's really been a lot of fun for me to you know to be able to be on the side of it where you get to build a team and put all the pieces in place and um you know it's really enjoyable and you reach back to you speak about you know not just the over six playoffs series but when when i'm building a team and looking at uh, what we're doing i mean you go back to some of the experiences i had some of the people uh that that mentored me or uh that i looked up to as we went through it as players so certainly a huge Oilers influence on what I'm looking to do here at Hamilton.
3: What specifically do you think from your days with the Oilers do you hope you can put in place in Hamilton?
6: The moment I stepped into, you know, and I bounced around a little bit before I got to Edmonton trying to, you know, get my career, uh, you know, settled in and making my mark in the National Hockey League. The moment I got to Edmonton, there was a sense of uh, responsibility, uh, a sense of tradition, And, uh, you know, there's a history there that I needed to live up to. And certainly it's, you know, that takes a lot of time. And some of those things in Edmonton that I felt the moment that I got there, I'm trying to build here in Hamilton, where once a player steps into Hamilton and puts on a Bulldogs jersey, the same way I put an Oilers jersey on, you feel a sense of responsibility, you know, to the community, like I did in Edmonton, uh, to the organization, to the coaching staff, and to the great players that played there before, uh, and that was the differentiator for me when I got to Edmonton compared to the other organizations I played for um, before I got to Edmonton and after. So um, some of those types of things that we're trying to build here as far as the camaraderie between the players, um, the respect between the players, uh, the responsibility to the community and giving back, same way I felt when I, when I first got to Edmonton.
3: Well, wow, that's a great answer, Steve. Before I let you go, and I, I forgot to mention, it was Kingston you guys played in the first round, and you mentioned just a, a battle right down to the wire. You, you're working with the and I know you're the president and general manager, so you're 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 not coaching, you're not on the ice. Uh, I don't know how often you're interacting with the players, but just what's it like for you being around, you know, 16 to 19 year olds for for the most part. Um, I'm sure you have advice you you could get the, give them if you wanted to. I don't know how often you step in, uh, you know, because the coaches are there, but just what's it like being around the, the energy with the young players? Because sometimes, you know, guys at that age, they can improve so much. You can see it sometimes even week to week. What, what's it like being around that age group for you, and, and what wisdom do you impart on them, if any?
6: Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, and I was trying to find that balance early on, because you, you need to respect the coaches, and um, we got a great coaching staff, and they do an awesome job. But, um, and you, you, I wanted to make sure that you you give them the space to do it. But, um, you know, I, I find I find myself in around the, you know, the team, yeah, uh, after practice or uh, after games a little bit more often, and you try and reflect. And sometimes some of the stories, no different than when I was in player development with the Leafs, where these guys they latch on to the stories and. I can go through it because I wasn't a star player, so it wasn't all, uh, you know, it, there, there was bumps in the road. And, you know, for the most part, I can tell them that I've dealt with what you're dealing with right now, and I know the feelings. So, um, and, and I was ma- able to make good on the situation. So um, eventually, and, uh, you know, most players are going to go through difficult times, and you can reflect on that. And when things are good, you can, you know, reflect back and tell some stories about when things are good and how you built, uh, you know, how you felt in and around teams, some of the most more influential players that you played with and coaches. Uh, certainly, I'm very, very fortunate to be around the people that I was during my NHL career, whether it's been coaches or great teammates. So, um, you know, there are, there is a lot to, that I could pass on to these young players, and I love it. These guys, these kids are sponges. And, and you know, the generations have changed, but not that much. Like, you can sit down... And talk with these kids and they really like to hear the stories and uh, I just you know I think that this is a great time in my career where I can influence these young guys to go on and do great things and you know at the very least if they don't go on to pro hockey that they can become good citizens and contributing members of our community.
3: That's a great answer, Steve. Thanks so much for making time for us. I, I hope we can talk again. I, I can just tell that you, you love what you're doing and, and you're certainly interested in how the Oilers are. And uh, 10.30 Eastern start tomorrow night, so I don't know how, how much you're going to see for Edmonton and well, San Jose. I'll, I'll be up for it. <laughs> right, right on. Thanks, Steve. Please keep in touch. Thanks, trees. Thanks for having me on. Steve Stales, checking in tonight. Former Oilers defenseman, now the president and GM of the Hamilton Bulldogs in the Ontario Hockey League. Man, that was great to talk to him. And I love what he said there about what he's trying to build uh, with Hamilton, what he felt when he came to the Oilers, a sense of responsibility and a sense of tradition that he's trying to live up to. It's 649. You're listening to Inside Sports on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.
5: Hi, this is Ryan Eugen-Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.
3: The Washington Capitals have tied the game with Toronto. They're now in the final minute of the second period game, even at 2. Your scoreboard for Crystal Glass for all your glass needs, call 310 glass today. Still 1-0, Nashville over Chicago. That's through 20 minutes later on tonight. Anaheim home to Calgary. Baseball this evening, man, the Blue Jays are 1-7, and seven and they are trailing again, bottom of the sixth behind Baltimore. 2-1, what a rough start for the Blue Jays who've uh, been getting decent pitching I mean, Liriano tonight, 8 strikeouts through 6, he's only allowed the 2 runs 1 walk, 5 hits but the uh, bat's not coming around and Josh Donaldson has left that game uh, with an injury, so man, that is tough for the Jays uh, This texture says, hey Reed, Steve Stales and Ryan Smith are true Oilers leaders, we hope to get that type of leadership in the near future, thanks for having him on, well thank you for listening, that was a good one Uh, This texter says, yeah, losing sucks, but losing uh, the first game sucks. But if you win the first and lose the second, is it better or worse? I kind of think I'd rather lose the first and win the second game before going out on the road. At least you're not heading out full of doubt the Oilers win tomorrow, we're good. I won't be off the wagon, even if they lose, but it's not going to happen, so why worry? There's a a confident texter for game two tomorrow night. This texter says the Oilers didn't play very well in the second and third because they were scared of hitting San Jose and getting another penalty. The reffing last night was totally biased. That's a Text coming in to six thirty. Six thirty. Here's something tangible the Oilers want to work on tomorrow. They want to take shorter shifts. Kind of the the flow of the game was was really choppy, whether it was special teams or guys getting caught out. But uh, really, the the like I said, the flow where guys were sitting on the bench for a while, and then you get out there, you feel like you got to kind of you know stay and do more. Uh, and maybe the, the emotions of the game, wanting
1: to be out there and, and do something good for the team. There was good intentions to it. I don't think there was anything. You know negligent or lazy about it. it was just a little bit of a lesson and you know we're going to learn them along the way uh, and that's just one so far i think maybe just uh maybe in search of offense or, or something like that um you already been playing in your own zone for a little bit um you know when you get a chance to, to go and you know, all of a sudden the puck's coming back and you know you can't change so
5: i think some of that um yeah just just not coming off at the right time guys might be trying to do a little too much which which isn't a bad thing guys want to play this time of year everyone's excited but instead of changing uh, on the way back um, shorten up your shift by five seconds and change in the ozone and get a fresh fresh group of guys out there and maybe hem them in uh, so it's just little things like that um, if we overextend our shifts against them I think we watched uh, a couple of video clips where they made three changes before we even made one so um can't do that against that team um get tired defensemen out there and then you end up playing the whole shift in your end and you're too tired to go uh, the other way when you get the puck so like i said there's uh those things are all fixable in our game and um we learn from them and uh no doubt we'll be better game two Cassian,
3: McDavid, do some comments and shorter shifts, something to watch for tomorrow evening. We're back after the news with Sean Bell, Inside Sports on 630Chad. 630 630Chad,
0: 630 Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at 6 on 630Chad.